Advertising your business with GCN is simple, effective, and more affordable than you might think. Visit advertise.gcnlive.com for more info. Take your business to the next level. Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Before we did this episode of the Paracast, I was thinking back to my misbegotten youth in Brooklyn, New York. My, my dad would take me to a movie theater off Times Square where they'd show older B movies. Like, for example, we'd see the universal horror films like House of Dracula. And then we saw a movie serial. It was in the middle of the 12th chapter serial where this nerdy guy is in some kind of garage or small cabin with this woman. And they're about, of course, to be blown up. And unfortunately, the guy's mouth is covered so we can't speak. And in the next scene, of course... He's able to get his his bandana off, and he says the magic words, Shazam, and becomes Captain Marvel. I remember seeing that. That must be sometime in the late 50s. Of course, the film was dated back in 1941 with a former Western actor by the name of Tom Tyler, who also played the mummy, by the way. Interesting. So I, I go back quite a bit. I actually remember my late brother would play these dramas on radio, and he'd always pick the ones to frighten me, you know, like Lights Out or something like that. Brian Walker is with us, with me and Tim, and he is someone who has looked into all this great stuff, and he has a site called Brian's Drive-In Theater, which covers... Predominantly B-films, movie serials, everything, going back to the early days of sound. Do you do much in terms of silent films at all, Brian? I love silent films, but I don't profile very many of them on my site. Uh, Only for those actors who started in the silent uh, days, but then made the transition to sound. Well, obviously here, we are mostly interested personally in superheroes, sci-fi and B-films, and, of course, the movie serials. Now, the movie serials, well, let's put it this way. What they do now on TV is sometimes at the end of a season, they have a cliffhanger. You know, will this particular member of the cast die? You won't know until the next season. Unfortunately, sometimes the show never has that next season. I'll give you an example of that. It's Farscape a really wacky sci-fi show with live-action and puppets from the early 2000s with Ben Browder and Claudia Black. I love the show, but the last one in season four, they're disintegrated, the lead characters. And that was the end of the series because they didn't renew it for a fifth season. So finally they had to film a three-hour miniseries to tie up all the loose ends. But a lot of TV shows, you never get to see the cliffhanger solved. 
It's not like the movie serials where we know by the time we get to chapter 12 or 15, they were going to figure out what the solution was. Very true. Movie serials really started, uh, you know, at the dawn of film production. Uh, they started in the early 1900s. And by the time uh, serials hit their heyday in the mid-1930s, uh, they had sort of established, uh, you know, the, the rhythm and the meter of episodic uh, television, uh, which was to come, you know, just uh, 10, 12 years later. They're worthy of study for a min- for many different reasons, uh, one of which, though, is that you know, in most serials, you get a three-and-a-half to four-and-a-half-hour movie. I mean, they're much longer than even what we expect today. These three-hour films that I can't sit through <laughs> anymore <laughs> are made much more palatable for me if they are broken up into chapters or episodes. Of course, the way they get away with all that timing is the first two minutes of a chapter in a serial, they replay the previous Yeah episode and then they show the cliffhanger and then the cliffhanger is resolved it takes two minutes out of what 12 minutes or 18 minutes it depends on how many chapters and what the uh, complete running time is but they, they usually run anywhere from 210 minutes to about 275 now originally the way they were presented is you'd see one chapter every week and you come back the next week to see the cliffhanger and usually this is something that accompanied a regular feature film yes and it it helped bring in a younger audience, I think, because most of these movie serials played towards the younger audiences. This, this is pretty true of the sci-fi TV shows of the early 50s, like Captain Video and Space Patrol and all those. And, and Rocky Jones, yes. Rocky Jones, Space Ranger. <laughs> but he also played with Commando Cody as his sidekick. Yes, he did. As a matter of fact, Richard Crane was Rocky Jones. And the old Rocky Jones uh, television shows from the early 1950s, uh, I think there were only 39 of those, and, and that was a syndicated series. The production values there and the acting is very reminiscent of the serials from just a few years beforehand, made by Republic and uh Columbia. Republic and Columbia at the end of the run of the serials were the two studios that I, I, I think did the best job with them. Earlier on, however, there were a number of studios that produced uh, serials. And, you know, Columbia specialized in doing a lot of short subjects as well. Not serials, but uh, they did a lot of, you know, comedy teamwork and such. Uh, the Three Stooges shorts were all produced by uh, Columbia. And even in the, into the early 1950s, when short subjects stopped becoming the norm when you went to the theater, Harry Cohn at uh, Columbia loved the Stooges so much that he kept them going up to the point where he died. He died in, I think, 1958, and that was the end of the Three Stooges serials. But then the Three Stooges, uh, thanks to uh, Norman Maurer, who was um, Mo Howard's uh, son-in-law, got them into some feature films in the late 1950s, such as The Three Stooges in Orbit. I don't know if you've ever seen that or not. But it's not their finest work. They are you know, a little over the hill, uh, perhaps. But those movies were fun you know, when you're a kid. It's kind of sad, though, with The Three Stooges, how Curly died young. That was Mo Howard's, one of his brothers, and he yes. died fairly young, but until the end of his Fair. days, they forced him to work. They would prop him up occasionally, um, unfortunately, I should say, uh, in front of the camera, but he also needed to work as well. 
talent like the Three Stooges, which it, it, it's kind of mind-blowing if you think about it. They've been uh, around as a comedy team now for about 90 years. I mean, that's how familiar they are. Even today, you can watch Three Stooges shorts uh, every Saturday night on MeTV, uh, right before Spinguli uh, comes on. They'll run an hour or two of uh, Three Stooges shorts. So I mean, their presence is still felt. But they really didn't make any money at all. I mean, they made just a tiny fraction uh, from Columbia as opposed to what those films have generated over the years. I saw Mo Howard being interviewed a couple of times, and he was a funny guy, not just doing movies, but he'd get up there in an interview environment, and he was still pretty funny, pretty interesting, but also seemed like a family guy because at one time he introduces his wife. I don't know how many wives he had, but he introduces his wife, and it seemed like they really had a, a good marriage. Yeah, uh, Mo was only married once, and his uh, daughter um, married Norman Maurer, uh, who was um, you know, pretty big in B-movie production uh, around the time that the Three Stooges lost their gig with Columbia and doing the short subjects. Um, and Norman Maurer really stepped in and kept their careers going for, you know, for another uh, six or seven years. Some of the uh, full-length films that they made... Um, maybe aren't the greatest in terms of quality, and they are, as I said, past their prime. Uh, and, and uh, you know, Curly you know, is long, had long since passed away uh, by that point. But the, but the films are still pretty solid, and even though the boys are older, uh, they do a pretty good job with the slapstick, which can't be, you know, as I get older and deteriorate physically, <laughs> I can barely put one foot in front of the other. Let's break it. We've got more with Brian. We're going back to the drive-in, and Gene and Tim, you're in the Paracast. Hey, listeners, I want you to have the entire Paracast experience, so I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. Most folks don't realize this fact. Our country is only four missed meals away from chaos, and those meals can vanish fast. In a national emergency, fragile supply chains break down and will wipe grocery store shelves clean in a matter of hours. Before this happens, there's something you should do today. Let's stock up on emergency food storage. My Patriot Supply is the company millions of American families trust for their emergency supplies. You should, too. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each kit contains delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. 
My Patriot Supply also sells large solar generators, gravity-powered water filtration systems, off-grid room heaters for when the power goes out, heirloom seeds, and other survival necessities. Order by 3 p.m. and your items ship the same day, fast. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com right now. Those who know what's coming, prepare before the chaos starts. MyPatriotSupply.com Bad theater seats, cheap Halloween masks, my apartment, all things with obstructed views. Add to these large trucks and buses. 18-wheelers and large buses have big blind spots, and like my apartment, they don't always have the best view. Bus and truck drivers deal with blind spots around the entire vehicle. Always take care not to ride alongside or too close behind them. Our roads, our responsibility. Learn more at sharetheroadsafely.gov. February is Heart Month, and every year, Extendivite has a sale. This year is no different. Extendivite is regularly $69.95 plus shipping and handling for a two-month supply. In February, Extendivite is only $57.50 for a two-month supply plus shipping and handling. Extendivite is a combination of garlic, cayenne, hawthorn, bilberry, ginkgo biloba, valerian, and milk thistle. These ingredients work synergistically to improve your overall health. So don't delay. Join the Extendivite family today. To order, call 1-877-928-8822 or visit extendivite.com. That's X-T-E-N-D-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Extend your life with Do you know someone with a drug or alcohol problem? Get help now. Insurance may cover everything. Stop the drug and alcohol nightmare. Call 800-284-0523. Learn how through the Family Medical Leave Act, you can leave your job without losing your job. Locations everywhere. Get immediate help for drug and alcohol problems. Call now. 800-284-0523. 800-284-0523. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Back to the drive-in with Brian Walker. We were talking about the Three Stooges that had basically two careers, but one point you made there, which is probably true for a lot of the B-movie actors, they didn't make a lot of money. They made a lot of quantity. So it wasn't like the A-list movie stars. They'd basically get a working person's job and they'd have to make, you know, 14 films a year or something. That's true. You mentioned uh, earlier uh, Tom Tyler from The Adventures of Captain Marvel. He's a good example of that as well. Uh, He started out as a sort of a physical culturist from the 1920s and got into films that way. He did a lot of westerns, but also did some serial work in the 40s with Captain Marvel and The Phantom. Although, if you look at his filmography, he's got, it's impressive. I mean, just the sheer number of films in Tom Tyler's filmography is amazing. But he really lived kind of, and a lot of them did, kind of paycheck to paycheck. They were just sort of, uh, you know, everyday working man, you know, actors. 
What they lacked in you know the size of an individual paycheck, I guess they made up for in the fact that they got so many of them. <laughs> Even the little ones will add up after a while. But poor Tom Tyler, his story is so sad. Right around the time that uh, The Phantom came out in 1943, he started having joint issues and uh, developed a really bad case of rheumatoid arthritis, so much uh, so that it derailed his career. And toward the end, um, he was just relegated to small parts because he had trouble moving, he had trouble walking around. Any kind of gunplay was very difficult for him because his hands were so arthritic. And he died at the age of 50, you know, not from rheumatoid arthritis, uh, but from a heart condition. But uh, it really sad. And he, well, he was penniless when he died. And after making all those films, it's just a shame. I particularly like Captain Marvel, and I like the character. And at one point, some say that it was more popular than Superman, but then they had the, the lawsuit against Fawcett. And today... Captain Marvel has become Shazam. Now, the name Captain Marvel is owned by Marvel Comics, of course. It's become Shazam, and they've turned his alter ego, Billy Batson, into a teenager. So it becomes kind of like the Tom Hanks movie Big, where you have this (laughs) preteen that has the body of a 30-year-old man. So now when Billy Batson becomes Captain Marvel, he's still 12 years old. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's why Zachary Levi played him in the movies. I think physically, he actually looked the part. He bulked up and everything. It wasn't just padding in his uniform like they did with George Reeves in Superman. But he looked the part, but he had this rubber face, and it was a little too wacky for me. But I remember the one with Tom Tyler. That's where he has a villain called Scorpion. Correct. Am I correct here that the Scorpion character was developed in the comic books by a guy named Otto Binder? I I am not sure of that. Okay. Well, Otto Binder, by the way, was a sci-fi and comic book writer. He also wrote about UFOs, as many of us know. Oh, yeah. And he was writing the continuity for Captain Marvel back in the 40s. But in the 50s, he worked for DC Comics, where he helped create Supergirl and the Legion of Superheroes. And to show you how they recognize this, let me throw this trivia out for you, Brian. We'll get back to the serials. When they produced the CBS and later CW production of Supergirl with Melissa Benoist, when she first reveals herself to National City, saving an airplane, she flies over a bridge called the Otto Binder Bridge. (laughs) (laughs) It's a nice callback. You know, it goes back to our field UFOs and the paranormal because I knew Otto slightly in the days of his UFO interest and his work with a guy named Ray Palmer, whose name was used, by the way, for a comic book character called Adam, where the guy is Ray Palmer. Of course, the real Ray Palmer was slightly over four feet tall and a hunchback, always, you know, really, really had difficulty physically because of a truck accident in his youth. Whereas in the TV show Flash and then later in Legends of Tomorrow, Adam or... Ray Palmer was played by six foot two inch Brandon Routh. If you look at the physique types uh, that you know, the, the actors who were cast in the serials, especially the ones focusing on superheroes, you know the the the, the male physique back then, the aesthetic wasn't quite as uh, you know larger than life as it is now. These days, you can like I uh, reti- recently retired from West Virginia University, but I 
still teach, and I see kids on campus who are way more buffed up and, and muscular than uh, anything that you would have seen in a serial back then. But that's not to take anything away from these actors, uh, because you know back then um, uh, Tom Tyler was in, in fantastic shape. He, he was even even in his uh, before arthritis got to him. Even in his late thirties, early forties, he was still in you know, prime condition. Kirk Allen, uh, you know, the first uh, serial Superman, was about thirty-eight years old when that first serial came out, and he's still you know, in very good shape. They did have to pad. You especially you you mentioned uh, padding George Reeves out, although he was also in good shape and and you know, getting close to his middle years. They did pad him out, but just to sort of add bulk, you know, to add um, to muscle. It, it was the, the 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 physical culture was a lot different uh, back then, and uh, and sort of the the male aesthetic uh, was definitely much different. And now you you have to. You do have to be, you know, blown up and buffed uh, to be a superhero. Back then, you could at least uh, just be height-weight proportionate, I suppose. (laughs) Well, with Christopher Reeve, he was a tall, thin guy. And before they made the Superman the movie, he spent several months in the gym bulking up. Not as much as they do now, but bulking up, adding, what, 20, 30 pounds of muscle. He worked with David Prowse, who physically was Darth Vader. I mean, of course, the voice was James Earl Jones. But he worked out, and he beefed up quite a bit. He was less beefed up in the later Superman films. But he looked more the part that way. Of course, it's strange how... You know, you say Christopher Reeve, what does that have to do with George Reeves? Nothing. Christopher Reeve was Nothing. the guy's real name. George Reeves was not the real name of the character. I think George Reeves, though, was very sad what happened to him. But the thing about it also, which you point out, Tom Tyler, Kirk Allen, George Reeves were all in their late 30s when Christopher Reeve took the part, Brandon Routh, and later, of course, Henry Cavill and Tyler Hecklin for the TV show, and even David Cornsweat, the newest Superman, which will be in Superman Legacy, they were all guys in their mid to late 20s when they started. So they could be Superman for a decade and not look like George Reeves did at 45 years old in the later years of Adventures of Superman, where you could see this guy's getting a little long on the tooth. Well, you know, he was, but, uh, you know, at the time of his death, he was, he had signed a contract, you know, to do, uh, you know, another season. Um, and, uh, gosh, I, I mean, for me, I don't mind a, you know, middle-aged superhero, uh, <laughs> to tell you the truth. Hey, before um, we continue, we'll tell more truths about superheroes and serials with Brian Walker. We can do a week show with him, I think. With Gina and Tim, you're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Hi, I'm Dr. Joel Wallach, the Dead Doctors Don't Lie guy. There's no reason why you shouldn't live to be at least 100 and have a great time getting there. And I'm going to give you a free copy of my lecture that tells you exactly how to do it. In fact, after you've lived a long and healthy life, there should be only two documents in your medical chart, a birth certificate and a death certificate. I'm Dr. Wallach with a warning. If you have a four-inch medical chart, 
If you take prescription drugs for high cholesterol, high blood pressure, arthritis, joint pains, and other health issues, the medical profession is failing you. They're using you for an ATM machine. My free lecture is going to reveal what pharmaceutical companies don't want you to know. There's been groundbreaking research and discoveries on how to effectively treat or eliminate over 900 different diseases naturally. And it's all in my free lecture called Deadly Recipe. So call toll-free 1-855-79-YOUNG. Again, that's toll-free 1-855-79-YOUNG. 1-855-79-YOUNG. USA News Update. No one will lay a finger on your firearms. It's not going to happen. Former President Trump speaking Friday night at the NRA Great American Outdoor Show in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Thrilled to be back with the hardworking, God-fearing, true American patriots of the NRA. Right from the beginning. Trump speaking to the special counsel's decision not to charge President Biden in connection with mishandling classified documents. If Biden is not going to be charged, he said, that's up to them. You know, look, if he's not going to be charged, that's up to them. But then I should not be charged. The five Marines killed in that helicopter crash have been identified. The chopper was flying from Nevada to California during a routine training mission. The five Marines found in a remote area covered in snow in Southern California. And I'm Laura Winters, USA News. Hi, I'm Dr. Joel Wallach, the dead doctors don't lie guy. There's no reason why you shouldn't live to be at least 100 and have a great time getting there. And I'm going to give you a free copy of my lecture that tells you exactly how to do it. In fact, after you've lived a long and healthy life, there should be only two documents in your medical chart, a birth certificate and a death certificate. I'm Dr. Wallach with a warning. If you have a four-inch medical chart, if you take prescription drugs for high cholesterol, high blood pressure, arthritis, joint pains, and other health issues, the medical profession is failing you. They're using you for an ATM machine. My free lecture is going to reveal what pharmaceutical companies don't want you to know. There's been groundbreaking research and discoveries on how to effectively treat or eliminate over 900 different diseases naturally. And it's all in my free lecture called Deadly Recipe. So call toll-free 1-855-79-YOUNG. Again, that's toll-free 1-855-79-YOUNG. 1-855-79-YOUNG. Let me tell you a story about Bill. Bill was a normal guy in his 50s. He had back surgery about two years ago. Bill was in a lot of pain. He dealt with his pain by taking the Percocets his doctor prescribed for him. Bill took more and more and more of them to help with the pain until one day the prescriptions weren't enough to get rid of Bill's pain. Then one day Bill found someone to help him get rid of the pain with illegal drugs he didn't need a prescription for. Fast forward to today. Bill lost his job and his family. The only thing he does have is his drug dealer. If you know Bill's story and you don't want to end up like Bill, call the Detox and Treatment Helpline right now to get away and get treatment. 800-296-1327. Call right now. Help is standing by. 800-296-1327. Hi, this is Bryce Abel. I'm the producer of Dark Skies, the co-author of AD After Disclosure, and you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio.
Superheroes. We will change the course of mighty rivers. We're talking about Superman and the serial culture. And the fact, of course, that, as Brian points out, what was a B-film, or especially a serial, later appeared in the form of a TV show. And so a lot of the TV shows that we see now own their lineage back to the movie serials, the mainstream stuff, the mainstream westerns and all that. Of course, we don't do westerns that much anymore. But a lot of the people who appeared in a lot of those B-movies later became TV staples. Like I was mentioning to you in our chat before, Brian, Leonard Nimoy appeared in a movie called Zombies of the Stratosphere, a really low-budget Republic movie serial. And he had this kind of lean, gaunt look about his face. And I understand it was that face, that facial aspect in the way he looked that influenced his selection as Mr. Spock. I can see that. The thing about Leonard Nimoy is that I, I guess it, he wasn't you know, classically handsome, um, but that actually, I think, became one of his biggest assets you know, in terms of uh, staying employed as an actor, which I understand is a very difficult thing to do, um, especially with television. One of the things also, if you get typecast in a particular role, it's not as true today. But certainly for George Reeves, probably Kirk Allen, any of these people become famous for a particular character. Getting work after that, well, you're Flash Gordon, you're Superman, you're whatever. It had to make it difficult. Well, and these were so popular with children uh, as well. I mean, the serials were as much for them as they were anybody else, really. Uh, And the children were the ones most likely to return to the theater next week to see next week's chapter uh, of the serial. So, uh, you know, if you um, you think if you look at a particular character or a particular actor uh, that you enjoyed as a child, um, you, you, you do see them more or less age out of a particular role. Uh, and, and that's unfortunate, but but it does happen. And children, I think, do uh, really uh, you heavily identify um, with the, what they're seeing uh, on television and the characters, the actors that they're watching. I think that did happen with George Reeves. I don't. I think he was just sort of boxed in. Uh, he's he's getting older. You know, he was forty five uh, when he passed away. Um, had signed on for another season. Did a lot of public appearances as Superman um, as well, and, and I'm sure that those were pretty lucrative, but uh, he was also having a relationship uh, with uh, an MGM executive's wife, uh, Tony Mannix uh, was her name, and she was paying the freight on George's life pretty much. <laughs> he had he had new cars, he had a beautiful home on Benedict Canyon Drive, uh, You know, way more... Um, I, I, sh- I guess I should say you know, a nicer uh, home that he probably would have been able to afford on his own. Uh, but I don't know. You know it's, it's a shame what happened to him. And I guess we really don't know what happened to him now that I think about it. We're not really sure if he uh, committed suicide or was uh, you know, rubbed out by somebody, perhaps. Uh, that's, And I guess we never will know because all of those people have since passed on themselves. 
There was a movie called Hollywood Land with Ben Affleck playing the George Reeves role. What's interesting there, too, in the last season of the original Adventures of Superman, Reeves began to direct. So I kind of suppose that could have been a direction for his career because a lot of actors have later become directors like Jonathan Frakes, of course, and Roxanne Dawson from Star Trek Voyager, people like that. They become directors. Amanda Tapping from Stargate SG-1. And they don't have to worry about acting anymore because they focus on this other aspect of their career and they continue to have careers because you don't have to have a certain look behind the camera. That's true, but directing a a film or directing uh, an episode of a TV show is so stressful. Um, And those who can handle it, great. But uh, not saying that being an actor isn't uh, stressful, but the director has to answer to the producer he's got to placate the actors he's got to make sure that the crew is doing you know everything uh that's a lot on you know uh, the director's back and uh, that's a lot for her to deal with but at the end of the day they also quite often have to be in the film and not always just a little bit part where they say hello and disappear they have to play a predominant role in the film like clint eastwood would do in the films he directed. And certainly Jerry Lewis would direct a lot of his films, and he's doing all this manic comedy routine, and you wonder if that didn't make him crazy, and he got kind of crazy in his later years. But if a, if an actor becomes strictly a director, it's a way, as I say, of dealing with the fact that they're no longer giving you the A-list roles or anything like that. But that's another point, too, here, is that how many of these movie serial stars over the years, had much of a career after their major roles. I mean, I know Buster Crabbe did some stuff after Flash Gordon and Buck Rogers. Tom Tyler, of course, became ill. George Reeves, we know about. Kirk Allen did have sort of a career, but not a lot. Noel Neal, who played Lois Lane in the movie serials and the latter parts of Adventures of Superman, she didn't have much of a career. Is that what's happened with a lot of these people? You know, uh, you do find uh, the folks who worked at the lesser studios. Uh, um, not that Republican and Columbia were poverty were poverty row studios, although they started uh, as poverty row studios. Uh, but the actors who were in um, you know, the the serials uh, were didn't necessarily make the transition uh they did get old and unfortunately there is a lot of ageism out there there always has been um in hollywood and i i I hate to say it but there probably always will be uh and i don't think it's any better now than it was back then and i think i think you're right i think a lot of people did i think a lot of these actors did become uh so so closely identified with the roles that they just couldn't break out of it well, of course, Snow O'Neill pretty much gave up acting after Adventures of Superman expired. I think she worked for one of the studios answering fan mail or something. I mean, she took a desk job because she had right. to survive. And then I remember John Hamilton, who played Perry White in Adventures of Superman. Towards the end of the filming, he was losing his memory and he couldn't remember his lines. So they were written out on all those crazy pieces of paper that Perry White had. And he was living on a very low salary plus Social Security and barely getting by in his final years. I know. It's, uh, it's 
whenever you start researching um, into some of these people's lives, you, you, you see you see people on screen and you think that you know, their lives are wonderful and they've got plenty of money. And I hate to say it, but so often that is just not the case. I've, I've known a number of actors over the years. The ones, uh, the, the B actors, the ones who really landed on their feet, uh, always had some sort of side gig. They, they had, you know, uh, something going on other than just what they were doing as actors. Some of them uh, you know, would take on modeling jobs, you know, as well, because it didn't require much time uh, and paid well. And commercials also don't require much time uh, and pay very well. And that's what that's what some actors have done. Um, my, my old friend Aaron Kincaid, who passed away about oh gosh thirteen years ago, um, that's what he did to survive, and he made a pretty decent living for himself. I want to talk about another actor who had a brief period of fame as Commando Cody, the second one. There were two actors who played it, Judd Haldren. Now he. He was, what, in his 30s when he rose to fame in his Republic films, but his career took a nosedive after that. We should talk about his story. Next, with Brian, Gene, and Tim, you're in... The Paracast. You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. If you love mysteries, you'll love these two books by Tim R. Swartz and Sean Castile. In Mimics, The Others Among Us, you'll learn about the strange beings that can look like us, but are not. In Alien Artifacts, Incredible Evidence of Exotic Material from UFO Encounters, you'll see the hard evidence of UFOs that has been ignored or even hidden. These books will definitely blow your mind, and both are now available on Amazon.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Complement your health with hemp-derived cannabinoid oil. We've always believed that the closer to Earth, the better it is for our bodies. Our hemp-derived cannabinoid oil is phytocannabinoid-rich, full-spectrum, and organically grown. Finally, hemp made easy, clean, and effective. GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. That's right, we cut through the red tape. It's now available at GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. What if you could cut your heating bills this winter with your existing wood-burning fireplace and not spend thousands doing it? You can with Great Wall of Fire Fireplace Grates. Our U.S. patented Made in America Wall of Fire Grates increase fireplace efficiency, eliminate fireplace smoke problems, and come with a 30-day money-back guarantee. See our grates in action and get free shipping from walloffire.com or call 800-274-7364. Fireplace heat without fireplace smoke. walloffire.com If you're concerned about the power grid and want to generate your own supply of off-grid electricity, this will be the most important message you'll hear this year. Here's why. 
we now have a small number of solar generators back in stock. These emergency backup systems provide life-saving backup power when you need it most. And unlike gas generators, solar generators run quietly, emit no dangerous fumes, and produce an endless supply of free electricity from the sun. Whether it's wildfires, dangerous weather, power grid issues, or just getting off the grid, you'll never have to suffer through painful power outages again. Even better, all this week, radio listeners get over $700 in free off-the-grid bonuses, too. Go to MySolarBackup.com to learn more and check availability. That's MySolarBackup.com. Look for the free report, Crisis Cooling, how to make absolutely sure your meat, milk, and medicines stay safe and cool in any power outage. Yours free at MySolarBackup.com. I need to file my tax return right the first time. How can I be sure to do that? Doing your taxes yourself? Using e-file is the best way to file an accurate tax return. Mistakes can delay your refund, so spend an extra few minutes making sure you can file an accurate return the first time around. Avoid common errors by spelling all names correctly and using correct Social Security numbers. Double-check your bank account numbers for direct deposit and double-check your math, too. Oh, yeah, don't forget to sign and date your return. Honorary Forest Ranger Betty White here, lending a hand to my dear friend Smokey Bear. Because for 75 years, he's only said, Only you can prevent wildfires. But there's a lot more to say. Like, if you park your car on tall, dry grass, the hot exhaust pipe can start a wildfire. So be careful out there. Go to SmokeyBear.com to learn more about wildfire prevention. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Hi, my name is Richard Dolan. You're listening to the Paracast. Commando Cody, Sky Marshal of the Universe. That's such a silly thing. Wearing this ridiculous mask, Judd Haldron. Yet in another film where he played this Rocket Man character, he played what? Larry Martin without the mask. Explain all this. <laughs> Not sure that I can. But didn't he commit suicide or something? He died young. Uh, he was, I think, late 50s uh, when he passed away. Um, I really don't know much about him. It, it, uh, I, think he, I think you're right, though. I think he did uh, shoot himself, now that I think about it. I'm looking it up now just so you see. He was, oh, he was 58 when he died. He committed suicide in 1974. Judd Clifton Haldron. I don't know much about uh, him, quite honestly. There's, there's, not, there's not a great deal of information out there uh, about him. And his career uh, just tanked, you know, after a while. Um, you know, he wasn't, there again, he wasn't a, a young man when uh, he was Commando Cody. And, um, you know, perhaps that ma- wearing a mask might not be such a good idea after all because you don't get your face out there. It says here, after 1960, Haldron became a full-time insurance salesman. Imagine buying insurance from Commando Cody. (laughs) On the other hand, imagine having to sell insurance. (laughs) The, The thing I always wondered about here is that he appeared in Captain Video, Master of the Stratosphere, which is, I think, 1951. In the movies, Judd Haldron, a guy 
as you say, is probably in his 30s. But on TV, every day during the week, you had Al Hodge, a guy probably in his 40s or 50s at the time, playing Captain Video. How did the kids reconcile having two different actors, and how did that happen? Well, uh, you know, it, it, are you talking about uh, Captain Video, the, the television uh, series? They had two actors playing Captain Video on TV, the latter one being, of course, Al Hodge, who, by the way, once played the Green Hornet on radio. Don't get me started. And then we have Judd Haldren playing Captain Video in the movies. Now, if this is for kids, kids are watching Captain Video on TV every day, and they go to the movies, who's this other guy? Well, uh, one of the things that might have worked for the production company was that uh, the resolution on early televisions was so horrible that <laughs> you weren't getting a whole lot of detail out of that 12-inch screen anyway. Uh, so the only uh, clues that you would have had that these weren't the same two people would have been you know, voice you know, more than anything else. Well, Al Hodge was a much better actor. You still there? Brian? Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah go ahead. I'm back. I'm back. Sorry. Right. Just had a, a momentary com- computer issue. All right. Go ahead. So anyway, I said Matt Al Hodge, because of his radio experience, in addition to the TV, was a much, much better actor than Judd Haldren, who sounded to me like he could barely get through these complicated pseudoscientific explanations of what he was doing. Well, you know, uh, maybe that was one of the reasons that they went with Al Hodge in the TV series, um, because you know, as as low budget as the, the films were, the TV series was that much cheaper. Uh, you know, especially being a syndicated uh, show, not having a you know a network behind it. Um, and back then, you know, time. Well, today, you know, time is money. Uh, and if you, as long as you know your lines and you can hit your marks and you don't need a second take, you're hired. And remember, this was done like the TV serials of the day. You get up there, you do your show live. If something went wrong, it was live. Al Hodge never graduated from Captain Video, but the Video Ranger, Don Hastings, became very well known. I think he's still alive, possibly. Very well known in the TV serials, daytime serials. Yeah, I believe you're right. But he was young, though, uh, Don Hastings. Uh, when he, and he's, I believe he'll be 90 this year, as a matter of fact. Yes, so he was probably around 20 when he did The Video Ranger. Right, yeah, he would have been really young. Um, and he spent, you know, uh, the bulk of his career in soap operas, which is another another venue where uh, you know, initially um, you know, a lot of the soap operas were shot live uh, as well. And uh, the, the performance you saw was actually live, at least, uh, you know, in the East, especially if uh, that soap opera was being produced in New York. And, you know, in the early days, so many of them were. Uh, you had to be able to you know, get through a scene not needing a second take, and if you, you know, bumped into a prop, you had to make it look good. That would require some kind of being able to improvise, at least. But Al Hodge was also kind of a sad thing. His career didn't go anywhere after Captain Video. But part of that is that the Dumont Network, mm-hmm. do you remember the Dumont Network? One of the reasons the show ended is because the network ended. 
Yeah, you know, Dumont was originally poised to be like the strongest network, uh, and I believe in 1944, they before World War II ended, Dumont actually resumed uh, daily production. Um, you know, Dumont, unlike uh, CBS and NBC, Dumont also uh, had a line of televisions. Yes, and, I remember. And um, you know, Dumont started uh, broadcasting as a way to, to increase demand for the televisions. But they, um, you know, and a lot of Dumont's programming is unfortunately lost, um, sadly. Uh, there is a, I believe it's on Roku, isn't there a Dupont? A Dumont, excuse me, a Dumont channel on Roku now. Uh, it's, there is on one of the, on one of the. Uh, it's not on Amazon Fire, but it's on one of the other streaming apparatuses. It is Roku, yeah. Tim. Yeah, it is. It is Roku. Yes. Yeah. Well, um, do you know the story about what happened to? their uh, filmed archives it's just it's so sad what happened to them it is and that happened in the 70s didn't it yes yeah no yeah. they're they're at the the bottom <laughs> of a river or something now i, I think it's the east river okay there okay. In, in new york yeah <laughs> dumps there it's it's what a shame all, all that history is gone and you what's know, really uh, what's really sad about that is that there are very few copies of any episodes of Captain Video left. It's maybe a half a dozen that I can find on YouTube or something, or they've released a couple of videotapes or DVDs of them. That's it, of very poor quality. And those were those had to have been kinescopes that, that survived. Um, a kinescope, by the way, is that they actually take a film... And make a film of something off a TV screen. And you know, before the uh, the advent and wide widespread use of videotape, that was the only way you could make a copy of uh, a television program and then send it on to uh, you know, a market farther away or run it in syndication. That kinescopes were the only way to do that until oh, I don't know, late fifties, probably fifty seven, fifty eight. Of course, with the 12-inch TV, you would know the difference. <laughs> That's true. As, and as somebody who has seen hundreds of hours of, uh, you know, of kinescope shows over the years, um, I appreciate that um, they're available via archive.org and YouTube. Uh, it's fun to go back and watch some of that old programming as well. You get to see uh, stars. You get to see uh, actors who are you know, obviously uh, now gone and not even in within the public present republic pub, public remembrance is what I'm trying to say uh, but there you can go back and watch those and it's addictive I, I gotta say I can't tell you how many episodes of watch my uh, what's my line hmm. uh, the old uh, 1950s uh, panel show on CBS I have seen probably every episode. And that was a, that was that show was on for seventeen years, and that's you know probably I don't know like forty episodes a year. <laughs> I guess that's too much of a window into my life. However, well, YouTube's a great resource for seeing a lot of these movie serials. For example, you can see Adventures of Captain Marvel there. You cannot, however, see the two Superman movie serials. These you have to pay for, which is unfortunate because you can go to the 
DC section of Max, the streaming network, and get Man of Steel, Batman Begins, Superman Returns, Superman the Movie, but not Adventures of Superman, not the two movie serials. Strange. Well, it's all who owns the copyright. Hey, before we go into all that crazy stuff, we have Brian Walker, Gene Steinberg, Tim Swartz. You're in the Pedicast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Hey, listeners. I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. Wellness and self-care doesn't have to be complicated. So keep it simple and take good care of yourself with Sunny Bay Heating Pads. Our heating pads soothe pains in the neck, back, and shoulders while relaxing muscles and increasing blood circulation. Sunny Bay Heating Pads have always been made in the USA and hand-filled to perfection with the highest quality materials. Sunny Bay Heating Pads are the perfect wellness gift for loved ones or yourself. See all of our high-quality products at sunny-bay.com including heated body pads, neck pillows, heated neck and body wraps, and our stress-reducing lavender line. They're all affordable, durable, and in stock now and ready for immediate shipping direct from sunny-bay.com. Read our trusted, authentic, and real reviews at sunny-bay.com or just search for Sunny Bay Heating Pad. To your good health and wellness from Sunny Bay. Sunny Bay. 